Alright, welcome to episode 16 of The End of Everything. Today we have the lovely Joseph Harlow joining us. <laughs> and we're just going to have a little bit of chat to him about uh, his experience in the film industry, uh, a little bit about his artwork and where he wants to go in the future. Um, it's going to be really sort of a bit of a casual chat. Um, and hopefully it doesn't take six hours because I think I believe it probably could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, could yeah. we could run on for a while. Yeah, probably, yeah. Do. Yeah, yeah, we've certainly talked to a few people about the film industry uh, here in New Zealand. Um, like we were talking to Jack the other week, and um, who else have we talked to? Ourselves. I talked to ourselves <laughs> a lot. Yeah. I'm not, maybe it wasn't Jack. It might have been Jack. But no, yeah, there was another fellow who used to be did he studied with you that has gone and done his own thing. No, Cam, Cameron. Oh, Cameron. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I mean, that was a little bit about like three scanning and that yeah. kind of interest there. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, the film industry's been certainly a big part, but we haven't really heard a lot about what it's like on the outside of New Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> or like, um, and the outside of wet, wetter as well, which exactly, is a yeah. slightly different uh, setup to yep. being on a production. Well, I mean, wet is almost a little bit of a, an anomaly, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, wherever you want to start, but perhaps uh, how growing up and... Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, so I grew up in the north of England, in Yorkshire, um, which there is no film industry over there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I went to, um, after sort of sick form, uh, went down to study at university in Hertfordshire, which had a course that had industry ties to the film industry. So that mm-hmm. was like, um, it was a model making course, which also crossed over into prop making and things like that. And um, yeah, that, that was... Yeah, it was a very sort of self-taught, self-led yeah. sort of yeah. thing. It sounds quite similar to what you guys were doing on industrial mm-hmm. design. Um, but the good thing was it had lots of, at the time especially, uh, lots of good industry ties. And um, mm-hmm. my first work experience was on Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so we were making all the little now dobs, uh, knobs and dials and levers and that sort of stuff for the Rebirth Lab where he first gets his powers. Oh, like this green uh, laboratory. Yeah. And, uh, yep, yep. Um, it kind of I, looked like an um, old sort of a nuclear kind of um, si- uh, um, control room. Or that's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's very like forties like, period, you know, yeah. that sort of stuff. And and then we also had other like hydro labs that were a bit more um, on the sort of kind of like diesel punkies, so, you know, like yeah. sci-fi style forties thing. Yeah. So it was yeah right up my street actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, Marvel was just starting to get you know like. Um, Iron Man had just been released and they were working on Thor yeah. as well as Captain America at that time. So yeah. that was the very early days of Marvel and yeah. look at it now, you know, I mean, it's, it's Yeah, awesome. I mean, how, how many years ago was that now? So that, that must have been eight or nine years ago. Yeah. Nine, maybe that, ten. That's crazy. It seems that like a long, long, long way in ten years. That so amazing. it was the first Captain America. Yeah, so that was when I was in the second year of uni, which, yeah, would have, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I graduated in 2011, so that makes put that stuff back to around 2009. Yeah. I think actually the, oh, uni- yeah. the University of Harvardshire that you went to, like I think a lot of people that I work with at Foster and Partners also did the same course. Yeah, that so in the UK it seems to be University of Harvardshire or um, Bournemouth. Bournemouth, the other yeah, that's one. what I want to um, And yeah, both equally as good, I'd say. Yeah. If not, yeah, maybe even Bournemouth a slightly better course, but maybe Harvardshire at the time had better industry contacts. Yeah. I think either way, I think they've sort of caught up with each other now. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Did you know that in London they had that show where everyone like displayed their model, like their piece for the end of the year and their last year? Did yeah, you know? we were doing that as well. Yeah, we had, yeah, so we had our own sort of university um, graduate show and then there was the New Blades. Yeah, that's what um, it's called. And yeah. that was good, yeah. I did actually get 
work off that as well. Oh, I yeah. ended up working in stills photography when the film industry was quiet for a little while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, my, my contacts came off of Captain America or people I met mm-hmm. around that. Because yeah. often on those sort of films, everyone comes together for a film, and then after that film finishes, everyone goes off on t- either onto different projects or onto the next project together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes a combination of both. So you can, you know, as long as you make a good impression with enough people, yeah. like people might want to take you on to their next project or yeah. keep you in mind. And yeah, yeah. that's kind of how it sort of ended up developing after I graduated. Yep. So. Yeah, I think the film industry is so who you, I mean, you have to be skilled and you have to be, you have to know your stuff, but it is very much a who you know sort of an industry. I yeah. think um, a lot, you know, when we were talking at university the other day, you know, it's how do you get into weather? You know, part of it's be good at what you do, but a lot of it is, make friends with the right people and it, uh, it's hard to say that to someone maybe when they're in university because you kind of want to hear that you know if I work really hard I'm guaranteed mm. to get in but unfortunately it's, it is kind of a I mean networking really a networking industry but I guess a lot of industries are like that really that's kind of how the real world works maybe yeah and I prefer the phrase you know like it's, uh, everyone says it's not it's not what you know it's who you know but I think it's like it's who rates you yeah like so it is a bit what you know like yeah. you, can't, you can't be crap at your job and you yeah. can't, can't be like you know, yeah. that not get on with people. So, yeah, you, if people like you and like your work, or think your work's good, or you try hard, or you learn, learn quickly, yeah, then they're gonna keep hiring you or like yeah. take on to the next project. Yeah, that's that. definitely mm-hmm. good. So yeah, who rates you? I think yeah, it's kind of good because yeah. that gives you a little bit of credit as yeah. well as most people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean that's entirely it though. Like if you are just a dick, like if you are just going to. Um, work your way through that industry by um you know sl- slaving off other people <laughs> and things like that you know it, you're not going to go far no you know, it's, yeah it's a it's a small community yeah. even though it's global you know totally <laughs> yeah yeah i remember um there's some people uh at the you know early days of uni that were sort of seeing it quite competitively mm-hmm. and it just did not work out like that the, the more we helped each other out the more we were we got for each other and yep. it, it really was more of a cooperative thing mm-hmm. just like because yeah. Yeah, whenever the first person got on the film, and um, you know, out of our little, we had a real strong uh, friend group that were all very talented people as well. So we would happily recommend them because they yeah. we know that they're very good and we know that they're lovely. So yeah, yeah, we all managed to really help each other, um, and yeah, that definitely paid off. You know, but mm-hmm. if we'd have all taken the more competitive attitude and like, they go, oh, do you have any friends that no don't know anyone? <laughs> Yeah. Then you then you can't return the favor and you know like yep, it yep. doesn't and you can't it expand the network as much yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. it definitely added by it's just rising the tide yeah that's right. <laughs> great saying yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool. cool so where did you uh, go on from Captain America and yeah so Captain America was like a summer thing yeah uh, and then I went back to university um, and then there was a little bit on um, X Men First Class as well oh, yeah, uh, through cool. Artem that's where I first met Bob Thorne. And I ended up building a time machine for him. That was part of my uh, third year final project. Cool. Um, and yeah, they also worked for Bob after that as well. He, he, Bob, Bob's Bits is his sort of side company. He was also a director at Artem at the time. And he's now got his own company called Anarchy. Um, so I sometimes worked, yeah, worked for Artem in between. Cause this, uh, Artem was a little bit like a smaller version of Weta mm-hmm. that was running year round doing adverts and TV yeah. stuff. Right. And then the film stuff just sort of, yeah, whenever a big film came on, I tried to get onto those ones because they were a little bit better paid and a bit more exciting work. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So, the, yeah, the first ones after graduating were uh, Gravity, uh, World War Z, um, 
and then it got a bit quiet and that's when I did my stills photography model making that was that was a good experience so what, what was that what was that that was yeah just working for a fella called Miller, uh, Ben Miller who um, has a company called Miller Models uh, he was based um, in Enfield which was a bit of a drive for me but it was yeah it was when it was quiet and um, he was just a really good mentor and he sort of taught me all his tricks of the trade and yeah, yeah it was a bit more traditional model making because it was for stills photography so it was like so I had um, what, what examples of stuff we made we made like a, a city that was all made out of golf tees so there was lots of turning turning up golf tees in the lane what else was, uh, we did like a, a model um, satellite that had container ships it's for a HSBC advert right um, that was about transmitting in the future goods will be transmitted not stored so right. it's like oh, a yeah. comment just like visual gags you know yeah, yeah. As, as billboards or whatever um, it was like a little models uh, city that was had to look like a toy town so we were just sort of like laser cutting lots of stuff and yeah yeah so that's when I properly got into like this sort of I call it like new school model making where it's mm. kind of like using laser cutters and digital manufacture a bit yeah a little bit it, it, we weren't fully down 3D print no. side it was more like laser cut but it mm. was very much you, we have a CAD model and then you know we model make the bits mm. that mm -hmm. we can't CAD yeah. up so yeah. we'll like do bits on the lab or do bits on the saw and just that's got a bit more facety or yep. you know yeah. that sort of stuff or just yeah the more organic stuff you then work yourself sort of thing cool and then so yeah, and then after that, it, <laughs> film work picked up again, and it was just a roller coaster after that. So it was just like um, I think then it was Edge of Tomorrow, um, the Tom Cruise one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah that, that was actually yeah probably one of my um, most on set sort of experiences. Cool. That one. And then yeah, there's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy after that, and um, Avengers two, um, probably missing some in between. Oh yeah, we did a bit on Exodus. And the, oh, yeah, 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 the Ridley Scott one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's cool. We played chariot, so it's kind of fun for us. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, and then and then when Star Wars picked up, yeah. So after Avengers two, yeah, Avengers two, I was good because I was, it was I was in a position where I had to choose between Force Awakens and Avengers two, Ooh. and I was. I was so keen to do Force Awakens, <laughs> yeah. but just the timing and it worked out, and um, yeah, it got put back. You know, oh, so I, right. I was almost I was forced to take Avengers yeah, Two, yeah. but it it was the best decision probably in my career because Mark, the guy I worked for on Avengers, he ended up getting the gig for Rogue One and Episode Eight, and all oh, the ones following wow. that. So. Wow. Yeah, it was good to get in his yeah. core team, and uh, right. I was on from start to finish. You know, on on, on all of those ones after that. So, what, what were you doing on the view uh, on set, or were you? Um, oh, for you know, Star Wars, sorry. Uh, for or, Star, Wars, yeah, everyone's a little bit different. So, yeah. like uh, for Star Wars, I was because on um, Avengers, I kind of got known for doing the laser cut stuff after mm -hmm. doing Miller models. Yeah. Um. So he sort of had me in for Star Wars to uh, start doing all the control panels, so that we we had loads of stuff to do for like star destroyer bridges and things like that so there's lots of like basically just laser cut acrylic drop-ins that go into these mdf consoles mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're all back lit so we have little bits that are sort of cut out we had little buttons in and things yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Uh, so lots of laser cutting lots of vinyl cutting as well so we're then laying vinyl over so it's all got all the techie lines all over yeah. and and yeah that became yeah like I say it started off just just me and this fella tom and that that became a whole team by the end of it you know so um we had three of us on oh uh, four of us on rogue one 
and then about five was on episode eight, and by episode nine there was nine of us at one. You know, so I was sort yeah. of leading the a team of nine people. But at the end of it, it was oh, quite. Yeah, it became yeah it became a good sort of career opportunity to sort of get in. There was lots of liaising. So yeah, I was m- mostly in the workshop making stuff. That was the main role. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of installing stuff. And then the more we sort of started doing a bit of that, the more they just left us to it. So we ended up, that became more and more of the job as it's uh, each film progressed sort of thing. Yeah. So, which is fine. Like, I quite enjoyed being there, going to the sets and be a part of it. Yeah, We're very rarely there for the shoot. You know, the, once we've installed our bits, especially control panels, you should, they shouldn't break and you shouldn't yeah. need to go in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so definitely didn't need us on standby or anything. Whereas obviously the exosuits with human inside, you've got to get them in and get them out. Yep. So that was a little bit more hands on on set. Yeah, but I get you. It was definitely a part of the construction of the set, but less of the shooting of the set than mm-hmm. the first the Star Wars ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a cool like, Star Wars, though. Just, like, it'd be so cool to do that from yeah. a like, fanboy point of view, you know? So, they, I, yeah, my whole family, we kind of grew up with it you know is yeah. one of the things that got me into making was you know like building the lego models <laughs> of the, you know so we get some of the smaller sets so we had some of them in and then we build the bigger spaceships ourselves oh, just out yeah. all the different things <laughs> yeah. you know, quite crude but like yeah, yeah. it's fun yeah oh, no, i totally know what you mean yeah we've all been there <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah definitely you know new stars inside out so to, yeah. yeah to be working on it was like yeah really how was your experience like working in the film versus being a viewer? So, like, did, did it um, shatter any illusions? Did it enhance your experience? What do you think? Um, by that point, I'd sort of, uh, I'd already had the kind of, uh, I was knew what to expect in terms of mm. separating the film world and your experience from it yeah. when you go to see it. So I've done quite a few, you know, like Captain America. Captain America was the weirdest one because you couldn't, I could barely watch it yeah. without reliving being on those sets or reliving, you know. Yeah, yeah. having nightmares but when you see certain props. Or yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Just, it's like, it's like, <laughs> your experience, you couldn't, I couldn't separate yes, it, but yeah. now I can totally suspend disbelief mm. watching something and I, I don't even think about. Well, it, it depends. If, like, if I'm in the moment of the film, yeah. I can watch it with two lenses and I can kind of switch between yeah, them almost. Yeah, yeah. But there's totally something everyone goes through, though, isn't it? Like, um, yeah, like watching your first film, like I think Ghost in the Shell might have been a good example for me, maybe. Um, you know, just seeing everything on that film, it's like you just couldn't engage with anything. Like, I just, I know that's plastic. Or I know <laughs> yeah. that's thing. And it's just like, oh, God, I wish we did that better or whatever it was. And, like, you just couldn't really view it as a film. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. You, you, do, have, you, just, yeah. you do just kind of develop those two lenses. Yeah. Especially over time as well. Like yeah. Maybe the first time watching it is a little bit jarring, but then sure. once you watch it a couple of times, you know what the story's about, you just go with the flow of it. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and, and you, maybe your memory of it has faded and all yeah. of that. <laughs> like you, you've managed to work them out. And, yeah. and this is amazing too. Like I remember like you've probably seen like a few, um, a bit of like the raw footage for some of these films, like what do you call them, the dailies and stuff yeah. like that. And, like, uh, and what editing does compared to yeah. that. Like oh. it's... It's amazing what those editors do to bring the film alive, yeah, you know, and, what a, and, and a bit of that, yeah. background foley and things like that, like, um, yeah, uh, how they, you know, grabbing all the raw footage, how different it is to, like, the final result, and, yeah. like, with all the CG and things like well, that. Especially moving forwards now, you don't get those epic sets that, you, you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, the original, you know, when they build half a Helm's Deep, whatever, it's, it's, you know, it's very rarely done like that now. It's, yeah. You know, it's, but to be fair, like, it's what Star Wars... The more recent ones have lent into the physicality quite heavily, and like I think it's 
been good. I mean, I don't know if I love the new film. I mean, how, I don't know how do you feel about the new films? I don't know. Um, some of them, yeah, more than others. I, I yeah. like, you know, I'm just... Rogue One yeah, was quite, I quite enjoyed Rogue One. I yeah. That's my favourite. Rogue One is ones. definitely my favourite. Hmm. Um, it's the sort of film I wanted them to be making. Yeah. Is that, um, I, I get that they've sort of done a, a new trilogy and they've tried it, but it's not, not for, for... I don't know. Yeah. I'm with it, but I'm not 100%. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's good. I like him. I like him. I mean, but, um, impossible to capture the old essence of yeah, I think that's of it. our nostalgia, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like, it's hard to that? live up to that expectation. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I still enjoy them. As I, and, and for me, I'm just yeah, happy to see the, the universe being expanded and all the cool new planets yeah. and all the cool new yeah. versions. And yeah, like I say, can't complain about the work that it's brought me in. When you're on the films as well, you always do end up being slightly biased towards you know yeah. appreciating it a bit more because you know how much work's gone into it and all yeah. that as well and the yeah. sort of design stuff you, it's less jarring because you've spent more time around it mm-hmm. maybe um, yeah, yeah I, I don't have a problem with any of the new ones but I get I can see how people feel about it yeah, I, do, okay. I do get it as well yeah, I'm super stoked about the Mandalorian one yeah. which had nothing to do with so <laughs> it's really a total surprise yeah, it's only, yeah and no one I know has worked on it either because it was done uh, yeah, elsewhere so yeah I'll be, I'll, that's going to be watching that totally with fresh eyes and, yeah. Yeah. and I think that's the total right direction to go with Star Wars as well like, I guess yeah. they might have yeah but that's it like um, and perhaps that's uh, there were no real Jedi's in Rogue One were there were they? Uh, nah, not really. Because no. I think that's a, the really cool thing. Like yeah. they've tried to do it a couple of part of times in the past with video games and stuff as well. Mm. Is that they've tried to g- visit the rest of the Star Wars universe without without Jedi's and yeah, yeah. almost the fa- the fantasy element. They actually yeah. like sort of leave that and just go into the the background universe, which mm. is so intriguing. Yeah. Um, but they just haven't been able to do it yet. And they've been brave enough. You know, yeah. Like, they've, they've just trying to tick too many boxes all at once. I think. Mm-hmm. but for me yeah for anyone who's a real big Star Wars fan like you'd be happy with any corner of it because they've all got something to offer you know? yeah. yeah so yeah uh, like I say I, I, as much as we grew up with the films we grew up playing the video games as well yeah. like you were just talking about pod racing you know oh, like yes. such a good video game like, <laughs> so good. Even, I would definitely see a pod racing film yeah. Like, yeah. that would be so good yeah. or like just focus on any you know cause, I think the whole concept is awesome, like jet engines instead of horses. Like, yeah, it's right. just like, so good. Well, the scene, like, you know, episode one, it is what it is, I guess, but that yeah. scene is, like, amazing. Like, it's such an exciting, yeah. whatever, car chase thing, race, yeah. you know, it's just so well done. But then, like, there's the combination of the noises, like, the <laughs> Bulbas thing compared to the other ones, like, duh, 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 duh. It's, like it's so good. Yeah. It's like, there's something, yeah, and, like, I mean, I played that game to death, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, all my mates did as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had Rogue Squadron as well, where you just oh, focus yeah. on being a pilot. So, yeah. you know, again, no lightsabers, no yep, force yep. but you still a great way to explore the planets, a great way to mm-hmm. sort of see the universe from a different perspective. Yeah. So I still feel like there's, you know, as much as people are worried that they were going to oversaturate Star Wars, I think if it's done well, you wouldn't, won't feel like the same film every time. Yep. You'll feel, you can have so many different genres go, going within on there. within that universe. Yeah. But yeah. whether they take it in that direction or not is yeah. not up to us <laughs> 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 just prop makers <laughs> but it's kind of it's it, uh, like with your kind of direction now and like some of your artwork like yeah. that's that's heavily influenced that, wouldn't it yeah totally so yeah the graphic design style of Star Wars is obviously very 70s you know yep. especially for Rogue One which is the first one that I got involved in the graphic design team uh, led by Laura Dishington 
um, Hanacons and uh, Dominic Seekin just give them some yeah. props <laughs> yeah. yeah they were the graphics team and they were very good and very tuned mm. into um, Harry Lang who's like the original um, production designer of right. uh, some of the original Star Wars so he's he brought um, a weird graphic design style that was actually used by developed by NASA at least I don't know how much they used it but it was the idea of it was like boxes around buttons Right. to lead an astronaut's finger to naturally, intuitively press mm-hmm. what he needed to press at the right moment. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's really abstract that you've got weird, you know, light boxes around little buttons and, you know, little dots and that, you know, to yeah. supposedly to naturally guide your hand. So he used that in uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And um, and yeah, so he was a yeah the designer on that, and then yeah, Star Wars after that. So a lot of that style then came on Star Wars, but it yeah it became a bit more abstract for Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So because it's a more yeah abstract universe or less scientific as yeah, two thousand one yeah. maybe. I mean, yeah. there was two thousand and one was always a film. Like we had a, a couple of tutors in uni who were like huge sci fi fans. You know, yeah. like that's kind of why our course led so directly into um, Weta and the film industry. Um, but 2001 was always used as a, a great example of that because of its the thinking behind its design. Like yeah. they're thinking about how people would interact with these, uh, you know, whether it be consoles, furniture, um, equipment, and like people living in these spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's those sort of considerations that are just so rare in a film because you never need to go into such detail. No, but it's, um, it's, it's what sells it, isn't it? It's what makes it lived in. And, and like I said, for Star Wars, it adds so much of the charm. Those mm. those inch square buttons, you know, like yeah. they're everywhere and, and those little boxes that go around with little, mm-hmm. drawers, you know, the, the pilots have them on their chest. You know, yeah, that's the yeah, kind of thing yeah, that you yeah. see all over. Like yep. it's all, every door entry has something similar. Yeah. yeah. So that is very much the style of a, a Star Wars mm-hmm. control panel. They really ran with that and uh, yeah. So that again, like I say, I was sort of working with them. Um, they led the sort of design, set the design style. But there was odd, odd occasions where there was extra panels that were required that I was sort of involved in editing some of their mm-hmm. stuff to make it a different size, just so we could sort of fit it in there. And yeah, I just really like that style and really like that sort of simplified way and sort of started working that into my own so work. So would they give you like a two D plan of these things almost? Or? Yeah, so they they basically worked in Illustrator. Okay. Um, and we worked with Rhino to get it to the laser cutters and cool. the vinyl cutters. So, uh, they, they supplied us with an artwork that was almost usable, you mm-hmm. know, like in terms of cutting. And then we would just take it that last stage to get it uh, all worked out in the correct layers, so that we could make sure everything was cut out, so that it was going to lie properly. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. By the end of it, we actually made the the control panels in multiple layers as well so we could have things that were flush or things that were raised or things that were a different mm. they actually became quite not over-engineered but like yeah well thought out you know yeah. um, so yeah they, they started off quite just one sheet of acrylic with bits stuck on and by the end of it they were a sandwich of at least two layers and then we would have bits inset and yeah it was, it was good we sort of developed that together because obviously yeah. they're they're looking at it from a 2D graphic design mm-hmm. side of it, but they do want it to have this three-dimensionality to it. So they were asking us about how we do that, how do we make it strong, how do we, you know. Yep. So there's a lot of back-and-forth feedback that I oh, could really cool. have, yeah, nice interaction with them. That's why probably the best thing of the job was the nice interaction I got across different departments as mm-hmm. well. 
So I was able to learn, you know, a bit of graphic design off them and working with the electronics guys about how they do, you know, so the, we had the, yeah, they were DMX controlling it all on set. So they were sort of grouping cool. it all so they could control every single LED on the whole set. You know, wow. it, yeah. 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 Those guys were really good as well. So we were delivering our panels to them and then picking them up and taking them on set and then dealing with the guys on set as well mm-hmm. and just sort of like working around them. Sometimes panels would be painted or aged, so we would go to paint and... That was the kind of logistics of the job was kind of making, we made the panels, but we also kind of escorted the panels around <laughs> the different departments and then made sure they got on set, you know, yeah, one yeah. piece. And um, yeah, it was a good way to sort of interact with like lots of different people. And yeah, it's quite cool because I'm, I mean, often, you know, my experience of the film, like it could be quite hierarchical, you know, um, operation. I mean, because of just the nature of it, you know, once a decision is made, it kind of needs to pass through down through a lot of people to get done so it's quite cool when you can have that um yeah like you can go and talk to someone who's designing it and then make that compromise with the designer to get it made because often a design choice will be made that's sort of arbitrarily basically yeah. and then you're enforced to make that because of that is the way it is but realistically if you can have that conversation you can say okay can we make some compromises there and it actually makes your life a lot more easier uh, especially on a tight deadline as well you know like yeah. so you know this panel needs to be done by the end of the week and it's got to go to the electricians have got to have time oh it turns out we're one short of one of these buttons you know can I just swap it out and use a different one so it's just a quick phone call yeah is that okay yeah of course you know just make sure you <laughs> use the ones that match you know I knew which ones match so you know like they could we could trust each other to yeah. sort of like be sensible with it yeah. and they would never be like offended if it wasn't exactly what as they prescribed mm-hmm. you know so they were flexible and we were you know like I said back and forth with them so yeah yeah, and we could, you could also preempt it as well. Like if rather than cutting the hole ready, you know, specific to that one, if we knew we didn't have enough switches, we can cut a different size hole. So mm-hmm. it doesn't cause problems down the line and we don't have to remake things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, I've kind of missed having that level of control where you can have a back and forth and yep. just make things sensibly, you know. Yeah. And it's probably, it's probably worth mentioning the... Uh, you know, the difference between something, say, Weta Workshop, which is an established company that is like, building on a brand versus these production, or the companies that build around each production. Because yeah. like, basically with each each of these films, a new company starts. Um, the, they assign everyone to levels of the hierarchy and you're done for what you know, a year or however long the production runs yeah. and then the whole thing dissolves and they start again with the next film. You yeah. know? So like there's... You know they don't have to think about the repercussions of the next year or anything like that like and it gives you like the um the ability to work closely with um yeah like the production team or whoever's on the film and yeah. you know that sort of thing so like it, i think that's probably the dif- the difference right would you say yeah yeah i think so and i think also it gives you the opportunity to have a clean slate each time mm-hmm. and sort of build a new relationship or you know often people work with each other on multiple films so it's sort of adding to that mm-hmm. relationship but it's always a slightly different dynamic mm-hmm. whereas obviously when it's a, a, a fixed company that dynamic it doesn't have a big change it yeah. has a gradual you know yeah. which Absolutely. can yep. just for some reason works differently than yeah. you know well, it's different as well. I mean so, yeah. and there's no way uh, Weta or any of those companies could have a clean slate no they can't you know, they yeah. can't stop work for a couple no. of weeks because they've got all these employees that you know no um, and yeah, it's it's better for people to be able to work through, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's that's the big problem. Well, 
a large problem with the film industry is its inconsistency of work and especially as you get older and stuff you know stability is important and that is mm. a reality of film work and what has done an incredibly great job at giving people full-time work because mm. that's very healthy to do in the industry it's, so yeah. you know there's, there's yeah it's impressive we've, we've kind of talked about most of the glamorous you know the positive sides of the industry mm. it is worth pointing out that yeah it is a very unstable job and i've been very lucky to be working through a quite busy period especially in the uk yeah and um, but there are quiet periods and some people can't be out of work for years even you know if, yeah. if no production has come along like sometimes whatever tax break or whatever yeah. going on in politics can affect the whole industry and it can just knock people out of work for a long time. I know that, yeah, recently Australia's had a little quiet patch after being really busy and then what do people do? You mm. have to sort of like, yeah. But you luckily touch wood, UK has been good for a while and yeah, yeah. Um, should continue to be, but um, who knows, anything could change. And I, th- I, think, I think a lot of people find it quite interesting too because, you know, for people who are employees and do have a consistent job, the idea that um, I mean, for example, at Weird Workshop, we were on a, uh, a weekly contract, you know, so it's like, you know, uh, you could uh, legally be let go at the end of next week with one week's notice, you know, yeah. um, and I mean, a lot of those films were a bit of a longer tr- contract, you know, it might be months or something like that, but, or is the, that... No, no, that's, well, no? No, almost always it was a weekly, oh, right, okay. of, yeah, yeah, even yeah. if you are on the books on, on contract, yeah. there is no real promise um, because script changes and you know like sure. oh, you know like anything can happen uh, so really a week is yep. probably the max a lot of people come on on dailies and, yep. and you just get a day's notice so yeah it, and especially to start off with it's hard to yeah but the first few films I worked on I was only on for like a month or two months because yep. I was on for the busiest period so the film sort of like yeah. lumps in the middle yeah. and it kind of uh, starts off quiet gets real busy and then hide loads of people and then it drops of people and then yeah so if you're part of the core crew you, you see that whole yeah. line through but if you're only you know only just met these people a few times they'll probably only you're get your peak or whatever yeah yeah, yeah yeah which is usually like the billiest crazy <laughs> yeah. and then you're dropped and then you've got to find something else mm. yeah and which, it, it's, it can be so hard to basically plan your life though right yeah you've got yeah you've got to live with a lot of ambiguity and uncertainty mm. which doesn't suit all personality types and yeah um yeah luckily i've not really struggled with that as much i've mm-hmm. you know uh, kind of enjoyed looking for the new project or enjoyed the networking aspect of that and um yeah kind of look forward to a new project moving mm-hmm. on yep. something but that's you know again i've got to say that that's because it, i've been fortunate to be working around a period where there is a lot of choice mm-hmm. and they also had contacts in um you know like like i was saying about bob's bits you know companies that if it does get dry then i can go mm-hmm. to them as well yeah i mean so. that's, i know that with architectural model making that's you know they were the two big uh yeah career choices in London as, as makers I guess was the mm. film industry or the archi- the model making industry and a lot of people chose the architecture because of that stability really I mean you mm. get paid a lot, lot, lot less and the work's you know arguably more repetitive or more similar but you know you do get that stability because obviously architecture firms are building buildings you know constantly yeah <laughs> you know and they're around and they're built to be around so it's definitely compromises though yeah and yeah. also like um, I think workshop conditions as well is probably worth mentioning yeah. And, you know, we are dealing with improv making, you know, a lot of chemicals, a lot of sort of um, health and safety yeah. problems come up with that sort of stuff. Dust is a big mm-hmm. problem. Noise is a big problem. 
chemicals is a big problem. You know, so like having all the you know for a production that has to start from scratch in an empty warehouse, build a workshop, build mm-hmm. a film, pack up the workshop, and disappear into nothing. It doesn't. You know, a lot. Of, you know, like depending on who's running it. You know, luckily most of the films I worked on have been quite well set up, but mm. not all of them are. Mm. So sometimes the health and safety stuff does lack it a bit you know and um, it can it definitely is usually better at a company that's got time to set that stuff up yeah. properly for their employees yeah. so I think West is excellent for that and I yeah. think probably all the mm. companies would have been better for yeah, health and safety very, very yeah. but also they had a lot of money, money. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, that's a big one part yeah because you know the model maker the models are a tiny fraction of the cost of designing and building mm. a building so you can afford to have the best kit, but you know, yeah. on, on a film, it's, it's hard as well. It's also time. I mean, the, yeah. the health and safety thing takes a long oh, time to so work out and a long time to get people into routines, the extraction. Yeah, change culture, really. Yeah, change, yeah well, change the culture for one, but also just, you know, um, it can shut down the workshop for a couple of days, yeah. which is... You can't do it on the You film. can't do yeah. 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 So, yeah, there is a just a make-do. You know, yeah. this is, yeah. oh, I'm only on it for a couple of months, so I'll just pull up with it, you know, yeah. and, and that attitude can yeah. be quite damaging you know mm-hmm. different crews have it handle it differently <laughs> yeah. yeah I've preferred working for the ones that you know do take it seriously yeah. Safety, yeah. So, yeah. that's good well I mean yeah for people who are this is their career going from country to country from project to project you yeah. know um, it's not just two months is it it's, no exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly once you've been doing it yeah back to back for like eight years and then yep. that's eight years you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's but, a lot yeah, of yeah, it's not just, just two months here you know, yeah, like, yeah. yeah exactly that's a lot yeah, I thought know. exactly that actually when I you know, I mean, whatever. I'm all right on health and safety. I would have said, but it could be better. And it's that thing of well, I'm not going to be making. I'm not going to be working in a workshop forever. Mm. Yeah. But then just six years later, you're still working in a workshop. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I should wear a mask. I'm not now, but you know, like I could yeah. go back. To, I'm sure I'll go back to it. I love it. It's great. Yeah. But yeah it's a bullet. <laughs> wear a mask. It's, yeah. <laughs> it is worth pointing out. You know that there are. That yeah. These are some of the the side effects. The long hours is the other sort of downside to. Yeah. Um, and, and productions you can not always depends on again who's running it but like mm. quite often on the film it needs to be done so mm. you'll run over a lot more whereas a company might sort of have a bit more rules around that and yeah. you know a bit more sort of uh, a max limit of how many hours you can do whereas on the film it, there isn't you know they've gone better as they've gone along yeah. when I first started there's a lot more people doing late nights or working through the nights and things mm. like that. So yeah, silly silly number of hours per week. But yeah. um, it's gotten better definitely. Yeah. And I think the culture's changed. I think people are waking up a little bit more yeah. too. There's no bravado in it. You know, well, there shouldn't be a bravado in mm. in, in, in damaging yourself, <laughs> damaging you know your family relationships and things like that. Because Absolutely. you know if you're spending all of your hours there, you know. It, and like I say, it starts off, oh, it's only for that job, but then once you've been doing that for eight years, oh, I haven't got a wife anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I've spent any time with it, you know, like, oh, anything can happen. You know, like, yeah, yeah. people who have kids, no, that's, that's serious. Really yeah, that's yeah. serious. Mm-hmm. It seriously happens, mm-hmm. for sure. So, yeah, yeah, like, and I guess in your, I mean, yeah, you're surrounded by yeah, a lot of incredible people, you know, alongside this process, yeah. and uh, of all, like you say, sort of going into different departments, you know, leather work a bit of um uh whatever it might be yeah electronics and things like that um i think like you mentioned to us recently that you um would like to almost like make the most of that by perhaps starting your own podcast or something like that yeah totally so yeah um the 
main thing is everyone's just got such interesting passion projects. Yeah. You know, and, and it's almost like as much as people, you know, everyone is working all these hours under the sun, they're still making time to make their own art or do their own projects. Mm. And yeah, there's some fantastic, you know, artists in their own right that are just primarily making things for films, but on the side what they do is so much more interesting. So And these are like these these are these the career filmies, aren't they? Like yeah. they are the people who can go to work, create all this, um, you know, incredible stuff, and go home and just keep going. Yeah, you know, they live just, it. They yeah. just absolutely live and breathe it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, sadly for those, you know, those types as well, you don't have the time to promote it. So mm. what I would really like to do is like you guys is just get people, you know, build a community and and um, speak to people about their passion projects and, mm-hmm. and talk a little bit about their background in film and what's inspired their art and things yep. like that. Yeah. Because that's definitely where my art has come from. Is the, pr- the films that I've worked on? It's it's the sci-fi stuff, you know, that yep. I really like. That and the graphic design, you know, and um, and that's where my my stuff's d- developed out of that. And I can see that happening with a lot of other people. So it'd be really nice. So yeah, I'm gonna call the podcast the the uncredited podcast because yeah. it's the, the work that gets uncredited and and the people that often get missed off the credits sometimes I as think well. That's, that's uh, correct. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just so it's just giving a spotlight or giving a trying to bring those cool projects to the to people to the who would never yeah, yeah who yeah. never know that that sort of stuff's going on behind the scenes yeah. it's kind of the behind the behind the scenes <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so yeah. yeah I mean like it's early days for that so I've got to yeah still crack on with it but Sorry. it's um, I've got a good network working in the UK and working in New Zealand so yeah hopefully we'll be able to get a lot of interesting people on that you, yourselves <laughs> perfect candidates yeah. for that as well yes where, where you guys are going with your business yeah, as well. No, I think yeah. so too. I, mm. I think it's a fantastic idea. Like, like you're saying, it's the one thing that they do lack is time to, I mean, do any of the social media to just publicize themselves. And they're all like mostly a humble bunch that wouldn't want to, um, self promotion as on the, yeah. you know, the top of their, yeah, it's um, hard. It's hard to, to take nice photographs, you know, like yeah. you need to be a photographer, then yeah. you need to be someone who does social media, and then yeah, yeah, uh, video editing. If you're going to do a little video, so yeah. there's a lot of things. You know, if they don't have much time to do their own art, they definitely don't have much time to do all the publicity yeah. stuff. Um, but I think a quick podcast yeah. is a good way of getting it out and just getting it all in one place as well, yeah. and just sort of having everyone support each other. I think it would be yeah. a, a bit more of a benefit because everyone's trying in their own little echo chamber to get their stuff out. Mm. Whereas if we can sort of speak together or be in one, on one platform, then I think yeah. that might be better for us. Yeah. yeah. I think te- I tested on YouTube, you know, the Adam Savage back thing. Like, mm. I think that, that's a great um, example, to be honest. Like, he, mm. they've done a really good, great job of highlighting small artists when they go to Comic-Con and stuff. They'll interview yeah, the individual true. people who are making stuff. And... Yeah, I think they're they're really yeah. good, but I think there's a there's a there's a need for that, and like yeah. people love it. And mm. as I say, we're so lucky to be like places like where it's like a, just a glut of talent. Like there's just so much talent there, and yeah. like everyone in their own right is amazing at some specific thing, True. which is um mm. yeah should be celebrated basically. Yeah, mm. Mm. and there's such an opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's that's why I feel it gets un, uncredited, and you know yeah, it, yeah. it'd be nice to yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, we just be yeah, our friend Kira's you know exhibition was yeah. fantastic. You know, people doing people amazing. are doing some really yeah. amazing stuff and yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, thanks long for thanks yeah, so nice coming along, Derek. That's awesome. And then um, yeah, we'll see who we got on next week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see you then. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.